Awesome. Well, exciting stuff. I want to give a shout out to anybody that's listening to us via the live stream right now. Um, we've been having a lot of folks just chiming in from around the country that are out of town on the weekends or have been, so it's just great to have you guys as well. Um, so how many of you are uh, like amateur magicians and like to like, you know, at a party kind of really mess with people? Anybody? Anybody remember a guy by the name of David Copperfield? You guys fans? Yeah? You know, let me show you. I will make the Statue of Liberty disappear. Boy, it's gone. That's back, you know. Not, it's, it's amazing, the guy. How about David Blaine? Anybody know David Blaine? Yeah? Know him personally? You know him personally? Oh, okay. You know of him? Um, the, the first time I saw David Blaine levitate, I, I was at Sarah's parents' house in Palos, and I, and I literally ran out of the basement. It was like, that guy sold his soul, I'm out. Like, no, 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 no. Um, then I found out how he did it, and I was like, eh. Uh, what's the guy from Vegas, um, the other guy that's like David Blaine, it's like his twin? Chris Angel, there you go, yep. So he's a little more creepy to me than David Blaine, um, but, you know, he's got a show. So um, I, I'm not really wanting to talk about magic like that today, although that was fun. Um, uh, the message title today is Magic Jesus. And uh, the magic that I'm wanting to talk about is more so the magic that we all kind of, like, uh, desire. I mean, if you think about the, our lives, I mean, we may not call it magic, but we kind of look for magic, right? We, we maybe look for magic in other people, or we look for the magic in our life to be in stuff, or maybe we look for the magic in ourselves, and we try to figure out how to figure out life. Many times, maybe you've said, oh man, man, if I just get with this person, or if I can just marry the right person, or if I can just hang with the right crowd, you know, the magic's going to happen, and I'm going to be able to kind of be where I want to be in life. Maybe some of you um, take like a little magic pill every night before you go to bed so you can sleep, you know? Maybe you have uh, uh, something that gets you going and energizes you in the morning. I don't know. Maybe you have um, something that you look to like your boss. You're looking for a little bit of magic from your boss because, well, your boss, he kind of controls, he's got, you know, he, he controls the company. He's, he calls the shots. And, man, if I can just kind of be on his good side, you know, he's going to create some magic in my life, and that's going to go well for me. I might get that promotion or that raise. It's going to be awesome. Um, or maybe, maybe you're just kind of like looking for a little bit of magic from this small little basketball team from Loyola, right? And it was, oh, it was magical, man. It was awesome, right? And then last night happened, and the magic was gone, right? It's kind of like the Packers. The magic's gone. So, so <laughs> I, I, I am preaching. Well, the desire, are we, are we good? I mean, the desire to have something magical kind of happen in our lives is kind of common to all of us. And here's the interesting thing is it's not any different 2,000, 3,000 years ago. This is a human nature thing. So, yeah, so let's talk about the ancient Egyptians because that's why you came here today. You're like, I want to talk about the ancient Egyptians. Well, let's do it. So there's this guy, a pharaoh, um, 2200 B.C., that lived, and he was uh, his name. His name, I I'm, I'm being, before I say it, I have to clarify, this is true, all right? Amazon Prime members, you know, go ahead and get your, it's, it's called Egypt. It's a documentary. It's one of the most boring things ever in my entire life I've watched, except like episode two is playing the background, and I heard about this guy, and I'm like, you know what, let's talk about him on Easter Sunday, you know what I mean? And so his name, it was a pharaoh, his name was Pepe. Everybody say Pepe. Pepe. 
P-E-P-I, that is his Egyptian name. He had a long last name that's not really easily pronounced, so I'm not going to really mention it because I like the name Pepe. Pepe in ancient Egyptian is pronounced Charles. No, it's just Pepe. It's just Pepe. And he was quite Pepe. He was actually, he came to, to uh, power when he was very young, and he was a very athletic guy. And so what he did is he actually was like, no, wait, time out. We, we got to know something about the pharaohs, right? So they really wanted everyone to know that they were gods, right? They were gods. They were, they were above everyone else. They're the ones that were providing the jobs, the food, all the things, that their, their, the wealth of their country. It came from them. And so they kind of like kept their power over the people by communicating that they were gods. And so this is kind of where Pepe kind of comes in. And he's like young, he's spry, he's really athletic, and he builds a running track. And what he says is, he says is, I will race anyone, and the first, I will run four times around, and if I win, I rule the southern kingdom. And if I run around the track four more times, I rule the northern kingdom, and I rule all of Egypt. True story, watch the documentary. And so he does this, and he's like, he's just beating people left and right because he's just so fast and so young and so awesome at running. And so he's like, I'm a god. I'm in control. I've got it. I bring the magic. Well, guess what? He didn't think it through. Because as you probably can imagine, Pepe started to get old. He started to get old. And he started to not be as fast, and he started to lose races. And as the people would watch these races, they literally were watching their God age, get old, and eventually die. Now, when the God that you serve, that you have all of your investment, like all of your your faith in, that guy dies, it crumbles your world to say, now I don't have that person to believe in anymore. This has been a farce. I don't know what to do. And so what do they do? They turn to something, and they turn to magic. The nation of Egypt turns to magic. And they begin, because their their gods can't bring it anymore, because they're obviously mortal, they lean into magic. And they, many of you know, like they um, the Egyptians would mummify people, right? And they would, when they buried them in tombs and stuff, and they would put these death masks on the face of those that had passed away in order for the gods to recognize them when they came for them. Makes sense, right? But they began to make masks that actually um, were for the living when this uh, started to go. Now, it probably wasn't a mask like this one, but... Uh, Maybe somebody was ahead of their time, and they're like, you know what? There's going to be this guy named Batman, and I'm going to make him a mask. But the reason they know that these masks that they were making were for the living is because there were eye holes in the mask. And these, this magical quality of these masks, where they would put these on, and they would do that in order to convince the gods that they could maybe live a little longer or get what they wanted. And so they, they had some magical quality about these masks that they put their faith into. Um, how many of you know that that wasn't that great of an idea? Um, but then they also had this idea of cursing. 
And, and they would, they, for instance, if you're going to be a soldier going out um, in battle, you might know of the other army and you might want to curse them. Or maybe you had a business deal go really bad and you want to curse the other person that dealt with you um, in a, in a, and cheated you out of money or, or people or whatever or livestock. And so what they would do is they would take a bull and they would just, uh, they would take, probably not a Sharpie, but they would take some paint, right? And they would, I don't know, Sarah, I mean, I like you, but, you know, we just had a fight. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and I would write that person's name on that bowl. And then I would be like, you know what? I, I curse this person. Now, and this, I'm not going to do that. But this is, this is what they do. They would then shatter that bowl. Dude, that was an awesome one. Did anybody get anything in your eye? Are you good? Okay, awesome. Any, there's any blood? No? First service, it just kind of shattered over there, and it was by itself. That one, it came flying out. I like it. But if, as you can imagine, if you put someone's name on a bowl and shatter it, it kind of gives you like a little, it probably made them feel good, you know? Like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be at war with you. Ah, I put your name on this bowl. I shatter you. Ah. And then they go fight, right? That's the magic. But that's kind of silly, isn't it? But it's what they believed in. I think sometimes when life doesn't go the way we want it to, I think that we're no different. I think that when life and we, all the things that we put our faith into, all the things that we put our trust into, the people that we trust, whether that's a boss, a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, kids, a job, all of these things, they somehow they fall short. And at some point, what we turn to is we turn to magic Jesus. Because maybe you've known some people like this where, you know, they just have this like, man, when things are down, say, well, you know, Jesus is going to make it all good. And I hope that he makes it all good. And it's still not great, but I sure hope it gets better soon. Magic Jesus, where are you? And I think that in this scenario, this world that we create, and maybe your friends have created, when magic Jesus is around and really there to really only make things right when they're wrong, or maybe to bless you because you're just kind of feeling down that day or you're in a real bind financially and you just say, I, Jesus, I need you to bless me, I think sometimes what, what that creates is it creates a little bit of a, of a friction in our life in the sense that now if Jesus is the one who's blessing us and blessing me, I sure want to stay on his good side, right? And so that means that I really want to make sure that I keep doing enough right things so that I keep him happy and I please him so that he doesn't get mad at me and stop blessing me. And we continue to do that. And then we say, you know what, now, not only do I need to do as many right things as I can, I need to stop doing all the wrong things, and I need to stop doing those things. Well, there's a few things about Jesus that I think are magical or miraculous or maybe just out of the ordinary and amazing, supernatural, but I'm not so sure that that's one of them. Here's the one that I'm going to kind of hit on first. Number one, Pepe has a tomb. It's like a mound, kind of pyramid-looking thing. It's kind of run down because he was one of the last guys to really do all that. But he's got a tomb, and there's a body in there. And that's why they turn to magic. And then you've got King Tut, who was buried in gold tomb, within gold tomb, within gold tomb. Like, this guy had it all, man. 
there's body. I think the first magical piece about Jesus that's amazing is that we sing songs. Now, again, if this is your first time here or if you haven't been around, you know, church in a while, I I get it. We're going to sing some songs in a few minutes, but it's going to maybe feel a little bit different. But let me help you understand why. We sing songs that talk about Jesus being the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the name above all names. Why is that? Because the first big thing about Jesus that's very magical is that there was no body in the tomb. That's really awesome because you can go to Pepe's tomb, you can go to King Tut's tomb. You know what? The, the nation of Israel, they really, they really elevated their kings, man. They thought so much of their kings, uh, King David being the, the, the ultimate, right? Awesome. And in the early church, they were like just ama- they, they were looking for the next King David. They, when Jesus came onto the scene, they were hoping and praying that that would be the guy. Like this is, he's going to be the Messiah. And then he dies. But then there's, there's no body in the tomb on Sunday morning, and they begin to see him, interact with him, over 500 people. And, and they, they begin to, as he ascends to heaven, they begin to tell the stories and begin to preach the message of Jesus over and over and over again. And, and in that early church, the, the people of God were questioning, really, like, you know, what about King David? And was this Jesus the real guy? And I want to read from Acts chapter 2. I want to give you an insight into what the early church was wrestling with when it came to this idea. Um, I'm going to read, if you're you're tracking with me, from Acts 2 in verse 29. And remember what we've talked about thus far. This is what it says. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. He's saying... Let me tell you, I can, I can tell you right now, David died. He was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew. He knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised his Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said this, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. Of what? Of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. When the people heard that, the next verse says that they were cut to the heart. They were cut. Why? Because they were relating to the fact that David, their greatest king, still died. Jesus came back to life. He did something that dead people are not supposed to do. He didn't stay dead. I think that, for me, it's one of the, the biggest reasons why I'm here today, on this stage. It's the reason why you got up out of bed today and came here, is because there's no body in the tomb. There's no one there. And because of that fact, it inspires us. See, Jesus doesn't leave it like, oh, you know what, whatever you kind of want to do, just kind of figure it out. He doesn't leave you a lot of options when it comes to him. 
And that honestly has been, I, I, I uh, relayed this story a little bit last week at the movie. I said, you know, um, my brother and I were, were uh, connecting over lunch. My mom had passed away in January, and we were talking about, like, what had happened to her and all that stuff. And I said, Dave, listen, I, I got to tell you, man, like, for me, the reason why, and he knows, he knows my story, and some of you do as well, the reason why I've made some major career changes and made the choices that I have is because of one reason, I mean, there's a lot of things like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice, and you feel good about doing good, and, you know, there's something about being able to prepare messages that I like, and, you know, I love all the people that come here every weekend, but that's not the reason why I do it. I said the reason why I do it is, honestly, I've wrestled with who Jesus was and is, and I cannot get past the fact that the tomb was empty. If the tomb was empty, then I have to figure out, what did that guy say? Because that guy's got probably some really important things to tell me, and I probably need to follow him, and I probably need to tell as many other people as I can. So I don't know where you're at, but I'll tell you right now, today, tomorrow, next week, next month, someday, you're going to have to decide what you think about Jesus. I maybe mentioned this story just a couple weeks ago. I said we were talking in a college group, and uh, a couple of uh, guys that were atheists came up to me, and they were wanting to have an argument and have a debate. And we debated for a little while and all that stuff, and I just said, hey, let's just back up to one simple question, can we? And it was a cool conversation, no, no heat, no nothing. It was just like, hey, can you just tell me who you think Jesus was? And you know what? As we wrestled with that, that's really the, that's really the question. Who do you say Jesus was? What do you say about the empty tomb? Well, I don't know if that's real. I mean, that's why we showed the movie last week. That's why there's evidence. That's why there's books written about it. That's why there's historians that agree. He lived, he died, there was nobody in the tomb. What are you going to do with that? But I think that's, that's like a magic piece. That's a miracle. That's supernatural. That's awesome about Jesus. And that changes everything. It changes our life. We experience that resurrection power in our life, and that's amazing. But I think that there's, there's actually something that's really, really powerful that Jesus allows for us, and it's in John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12, simply says this, yet to all who received him, everyone say receive. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his, in his name, everyone say believe. believe, he gave the right to become children of God. Everyone say become. become. So, he's, so John's saying here that to all of those who chose to receive Jesus, to accept him, and to believe in him as the, the Messiah, as the Christ, as the one who rose again, as that Messiah, when we receive and we believe, God gives us the right to what? Become a child of God. This is the magic of Jesus. That he can take a mess like me, a mess like you, and he can make you a child of God. Some of you have been caught in that environment where it's like, you know what, this is all about doing enough right things and less wrong things and making that equation equal somehow pleasing God. 
But I'm here to tell you that maybe you've run from God and you can continue to run from God. You can run all the way around the world. And what Jesus is telling you right now is when you finally come back and you admit that I am God, I am going to throw you a party and I'm going to wrap my arms around you because I love you. Because there's grace for you. And you can process all you want, and you can dig all you want into the facts, and you can look at all that. But the day you come, I'm not going to be waiting there with a baseball bat. I'm going to be waiting there with open arms, ready to receive you. When you're ready, I'm ready. Let's go. And some of you, that's today that you're going to be like, all right, I give up. God, I want to surrender. But here's the awesome thing. It changes our focus. When we become a child of God, there's like a difference in our focus. So instead of doing this, instead of like hiding our sin and hiding the things that we're doing so we don't let anyone know that that's like we're a mess and that we struggle, like right now, anybody struggle in the room? Look at how slow you guys are. Look at how slow you guys are. Yeah, everybody in the room struggles, right? You're like, I'm raising my hand for nothing. All right, cool. Happy Easter to you. So when you you struggle, what what do we do? Typically, everyone's got to have it all put together. So when you struggle, you're like, hey, man, it's it's magic Jesus. He wants to bless everyone, and we're all trying to do the good things. And so let's hide the bad things that we're doing, and let's let everyone know about those things. And then as you hide them, you develop things called shame, and things called guilt. And the problem is, is that as you have sin in your life or you have things that you're struggling with, those things get buried in your, in your heart alive because there's nothing inside you that can resolve those things and absorb those things. So those things sit dormant for years, sometimes longer, decades. And then all of a sudden, somebody says something, like, oh man, the guilt comes on and the shame comes on. Instead of trusting, here's how Jesus changes things. He trusts who God says you are. And you live out of that. So if you've received and you've believed, now you become a child of God. So do I struggle? Yep. And when I do, I'm able to say, room of grace, I'm a child of God. I am not my sin. I am not my stuff. I am not my struggle. I am a child of God. And you know what? I am going to come to God with the temptations and with the struggles. And I'm going to say, God, I'm I'm throwing that down right now and saying, this is a struggle for me. I cannot control myself. But I am going to take and say, God, I want to live out of who you've called me to be and who I have become because why I receive and I believe. And when that happens, maybe I'm like, you know what? Okay, I've went to God with that, and it's still coming on strong. You're like, okay, I got it. This is rough. I might, hey, I'm going to call Katie and be like, Katie, you know what? I've got this going on in my life. I need you to pray with me. And we begin to say, hey, here's my stuff. Here's the things, here's the stuff that I'm dealing with. Can, can we agree that we're gonna, I'm going to work through this? And Jesus, you, and maybe a trusted friend are all together working through the pile of stuff that we have to work through instead of hiding it burying it. It's poison. Some of us are like, man, I want to live free like that. I want to be able to say, yeah, Jesus, you know what? I've got struggles. I've got things that I need to work through. I am a child of God, first and foremost. And Jesus, we're going to work through it together to become who you want me to be. Somebody, that's, that's like good news for somebody because you've been hiding and struggling and doing stuff, trying to like pack it down, put on the pretty face, put on your best Easter dress and be like, everything's okay. When in reality, you just need someone to talk to. And Jesus is the first one that you can talk to. So I don't know where you're at. The band can come up. Um, but I want to just tell you, the social norm here 
is because of all the things I've said today are the reasons why we sing these songs. It's the reason why you'll see people raise their hands. It's the reason why we don't care if this projector doesn't work or if it does. It's because Jesus is alive and he has changed our lives. But some of us, we don't believe it yet. Maybe you've received Christ. Maybe you believe in him. But you just don't believe that you're a child of God. Man, I hope that this can be a moment when you choose to trust God and who he says you are. And others of us, you know, we just don't know why we haven't grown. It's because we've forgotten who we are. You're a child of God, which means that you begin to grow. That's the idea, right? Children grow, so we're going to grow into who God intends us to be. This is the beauty of life with Jesus. So um, why don't we stand? And as we go into song today, I want you to think about the fact that this is not the social norm outside these four walls. I was in Walmart this morning, and if I would have just started, like, just belting out at the top of my lungs a little bit of this worship song, the people would have been, I'm like, hey, everybody join in real quick. Let's just go. Aisle 17. Let's just worship Jesus. He's the king of kings. He owns Walmart. He owns all the Walmarts. People have been like, freaking aisle 16, whatever aisle I was in. But here, this is where the social norm is where we raise up the name of Jesus. We worship him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a moment when we just honestly need you, Lord God, to speak into our hearts. Man, for a lot of us, we have, we've been running, we'll admit, we've been running, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you, maybe you've been coming to church, maybe not. Maybe you've prayed a prayer, maybe not. But there's something about the empty tomb that you cannot get past. And if that's you, maybe you can just follow along with me and pray like this. God, I need your help. I don't understand all of the specifics, but neither did the early church. All I know is that I sense you calling me and confirming in my heart that I want to receive you I want to accept you as the Savior of the world and the Savior of my heart. Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that the tomb is empty. I believe that you change lives. I believe that you are who you say you are. And I now believe that I am who you say I am. Because, Lord, as I receive you and I believe in you, Lord, I am now a child of God. Lord, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what that looks like. But all I know is that I'm crossing a line today. I'm sorry it's long overdue, but I'm crossing it now. And, God, I want to live my life for you. Lord, for some of us today, that prayer 
has completely changed us. There was nothing we could hear in the room. There was nothing that changed, but something changed inside of us. Lord, it's the faith that, it, that you speak of. It's that trust that we have to tap into, that we would trust you are who you say you are, and that who you say we are, we trust that too. So Lord, Easter 2018, yeah, it's different. Our lives are changing. Lord, we're becoming. Lord, we're children of God. And in this place, we worship you. Man, I, Easter, I'm just so thankful sometimes, man. Easter just brings it out on me. And it's just a moment where maybe you can just think about what the resurrection means to you, what you're thankful for. I mean, I'm thankful for the changed lives as I just look across the room, man. Just the, the amazing stories that I see and the trust that's just being thrown at God. You know, just I trust you, God, with who I am. I just love the, the vibe that Easter brings out. I'm thankful, you know, one of the stations was the cross on Friday. It's back in that corner, man, and there's there's stuff nailed to that cross. And there's some that are like folded up as about as small as you can get it, and then the nail is like hammered all the way down. It's like that long. I'm like, that guy, he didn't want that one getting out of there at all, man. That one's over. But man, that's what the change does is man, it just there is a fire in us now. So second place is you go. Don't let any voices tell you that this resurrection thing wasn't a big deal or that it was a good thing to remember back then, but it's a thing to re realize and experience right now, that he's resurrecting you to change the world, to allow you to become a child of God so you can make a difference. I pray it every week. Let us be light in dark places. That is our call, man, and that is what we can go do. Don't let anybody tell you that, that you're a sinner. You're a saint, you're a child of God who sins, who struggles. But he's made you a child of God. And go with that confidence. So Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the promise, Lord God, that, that on that day, that that resurrected life of Jesus, man, it put an exclamation point for us, Lord God, to trust you, to believe in you for big things, to know that death and the sting of death has been erased, and Lord God, we know that we have a hope that, God, you gave us a model in Jesus, that one day the dead in Christ will be raised from the grave, and Lord, we will be with you, and Lord, we have that hope now and forever, Lord God, we love you. And so, Lord, as we go, we ask that you would help us to be light in dark places, that we would be the change that this world needs to, to have, that we would raise your name up, and we would be your hands and your feet as we go. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this Easter morning. And we thank you for the empty tomb that's still changing lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Hey, I want to invite you back out before you run out. Next week, I'm going to have a message that's called Your Own Personal Jesus. Maybe that rings a bell to you, but Your Own Personal Jesus. Next week, come on back. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Enjoy Easter.